ye fly our sad burial. Ye but turn us your taffrail to show us your coffin. One night, in the mid-watch, when the old man, as his wont at intervals, stepped forth from the scuttle in which he leaned, and went to his pivot hole, he suddenly thrust out his face fiercely, snuffing up the sea air as a sagacious ship's dog will, in drawing nigh to some barbarous isle. He declared that a whale must be near. Soon that peculiar odour, sometimes to a great distance given forth by the living sperm whale, was palpable to all the watch. Nor was any mariner surprised when, after inspecting the compass, and then the dog vane, and then ascertaining the precise bearing of the odour as nearly as possible, Ahab rapidly ordered the ship's course to be slightly altered, and the sail to be shortened. The acute policy dictating these movements was sufficiently vindicated at daybreak by the sight of a long sleek on the sea directly and lengthwise ahead, smooth as oil. Man the mastheads! Call all hands! What do you see? cried Ahab, flattening his face to the sky. Nothing! Nothing, sir! was the sound hailing down in reply. To gallant sails! Stun sails alone and aloft and on both sides. All sail being set, he now cast loose the lifeline reserved for swaying him to the main royal masthead, and in a few moments they were hoisting him thither, when, while but two-thirds of the way aloft, and while peering ahead through the horizontal vacancy between the main topsail and main gallant sail, he raised a gull-like cry in the air. There she blows! There she blows, a hump like a snow hill. It is Moby Dick. Fired by the cry which seemed simultaneously taken up by the three lookouts, the men on deck rushed to the rigging to behold the famous whale they had so long been pursuing. Ahab had now gained his final perch some feet above the other lookouts. Tashtigo, standing just beneath him on the cap of the top-gallant mast, so that the Indian's head was almost on a level with Ahab's heel. From this height the whale was now seen some mile or so ahead, at every roll of the sea revealing his high sparkling hump, and regularly jetting his silent spout into the air. To the credulous mariners it seemed the same silent spout they had so long ago beheld in the moonlit Atlantic and Indian Oceans. "'And did none of you see it before?' cried Ahab, hailing the perched men all around him. "'I saw him almost the same instant, sir, that Captain Ahab did, and I cried out,' said Tastego. "'Not the same instant, not the same. No, the doubloon is mine. Fate reserved the doubloon for me, I only. None of ye could have raised the white whale first. There she blows!' There she blows! There she blows! There again! There again! He cried in long-drawn, lingering, methodic tones, attuned to the gradual prolongings of the whale's visible jets. He's going to sound. In stun sails! Down top gallant sails! Stand by three boats! Mr. Starbuck, remember, stay on board and keep the ship. Helm there! Laugh! Laugh a point! 
flukes. Oh, steady, man, steady, steady. There go flukes. No, no. Only black water. Already the boat's there. Stand by, stand by. Lower me, Mr. Starbuck. Lower, lower. Quick, quicker. And he slid through the air to the deck. He's heading straight to leeward, sir, cried Stubb. Right away from us. Cannot have seen the ship yet. Be dumb, man. Stand by the braces. Hard down the helm. Brace up. Shiver her, shiver her. So well that. Boats, boats. Soon all the boats but Starbucks were dropped. All the boat sails set. All the paddles plying. With rippling swiftness shooting to leeward. And Ahab heading the onset. Moby Dick moved on, still withholding from sight the full terrors of his submerged trunk, entirely hiding the wrenched hideousness of his jaw. But soon the forepart of him slowly rose from the water. For an instant his whole body formed...